Welcome to Oak. In this episode, we're joined by Tyson Yunkaporta and John Zerzan, and we speak about indigenous perspectives on the world. Um, it's a wide-ranging conversation. It's hard to summarize it here. Uh, it's well worth a listen, and we really thank Ty- Tyson for the interview. Also, Oak 3 is uh, getting ready to go to press. It's currently in layout. Uh, pre-orders are available at oakjournal.org. Your purchase now uh, helps ensure that uh, the journal will come out and will continue into the future. Hope you enjoy the episode. I just had I had to open a new Skype account. Just, my old one doesn't work for some reason. Yeah, and I couldn't do it on the computer either, so it was just really weird. <laughs> How are you going? Great. Great. Thank you so much. For, uh, uh, thank you. It's it's like uh, it's it's a real honor to see you and <laughs> to oh, meet you. It's great to reconnect. Yeah. Yeah, we had some we had some really good. Uh, about as good as a yarn can be on an email. <laughs> right. Geez. Years ago, and um, yeah. And uh, well, I was I, just writing this re- silly little book that wasn't going to go anywhere. And oh, jeez. Well, your book is just marvelous. Uh, I was struck by how deeply healthy your contribution is. That was, I mean, I could list a whole bunch of other things right off the top, but uh, I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, we're talking with Tyson Yunkaporta about sand talk. Well, we're talking about some other things too, maybe, but how indigenous thinking can save the world. Uh, it's, it's really a special book. Well, we could just, if you don't mind, I could start off 
asking you a few things to get us going. Namely, yeah. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to decide to write this book? Um, uh, look, there's nothing noble about it at all. Just somebody offered me a $5,000 advance, like to, you know, to write something. And I really, really needed $5,000. I was just <laughs> flat broke and just in so much strife. I just went, yeah, all right, I'll game and I'll just write something. You know, so, yeah, you write about what you know, and, and that was the stuff I knew. I, I'd, I'd spent most of the last decade, um, you know, traveling around Australia trying to pass on those uh, special ritual magic symbols from old man Juma up in the north of Australia. And, um, you know, because he told me to pass them on to as many people as possible and a number of other elders, too, from all over the continent with different messages. And the more I traveled around with these symbols and shared them with people, the more other people like knowledge keepers gave me more things to pass on to other people while I did it. Oh, so I just thought oh, I can just get rid of all this in this book and then I won't have to do that work anymore. It'll, you know, wow. it'll be a labor saving device, but it really wasn't. It was, um, it was difficult to write because a lot of the knowledge just wouldn't work as print. And, um, it was, and it's been even more difficult to, um, to respond to all the relationships that you make from, from writing a book like that, you know, with so many people from around the world, when you write it that intimately and you have uh, obligations to the knowledge and accountability to the knowledge and to your word. And there's so many people who are quite radically transformed by the, just by seeing the symbols from that old man, um, that, you know, it's, I, I basically, this is just all I do now is follow up from that book. Um, so it, it really, I just advise everybody, if, you know, you, you think you can make a quick five grand. <laughs> a little more to it than that. Look around the corner and down the track a bit, like, because <laughs> it might end up costing you uh, 10 years <laughs> or something. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you but, I mean, I tell you, though, I tell you, though, I what I really enjoyed was, See, I did, uh, I did put in there all the yarns I've been having, but I also, I, I looked, I looked for new people to talk to who are way out of the box and you, John, were one of them and, uh, just one of the more memorable yarns, you know, we had a very limited medium to work with, but we just obviously connected very deeply, very quickly, you know, um, you, through our common threads and common story that we have, you know, around what it is to be human. And what it is to want to transition, you know, back to what we're supposed to be in some way. And, and not about, you know, going backwards in time, but about that retrieving forward, if that makes any sense. It's not a transhumanist at all. It's a, um, it's, it's, and it's not, it's not a devolution. It's a, it's, it, there just isn't a word for what it is that we're striving for. And we both have that kind of nameless uh, task in our in our kind of DNA. So, um, yeah, we connected really well around that. And I, I just, I really enjoyed, um, yeah, just putting in an arco primitivist <laughs> right in the middle of this book, just dropping him in there. It was just, uh, it was heaps of fun. I'm very grateful, very honored for that. That's a, yeah, a wonderful, uh, meeting there. Well, you know, me you too. Look, John, that was, it's my first book. I'd never, I'd never published a book before. And you had like eight, 
you know, and you were so generous with your time, you know. <laughs> you know, Fair I enough. could have just been some idiot, but you gave me so much of your time and knowledge and um yeah, so I was really grateful to that at the time. And it's so lovely that it's 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 worked out. Well, it's it deserves the prominent publisher that you have, the American publisher. Is it doing well? It sounds like I I would be I would be really amazed if it wasn't reaching a lot of people as it needs to reach a lot of people. Is it is it doing well, do you know? Yeah. I've I've yet to get some like uh, sort of final figures for how it's doing in the US. It's done all right in Australia. It's done a, a, you know about as good as a as sort of books do, unless they're the top number one bloody bestseller or whatever, you know. Um, but it's it's doing weird things in Australia, like it's sold more in its second year than the first year, and apparently that rarely happens, um, you know. Uh, so it's it's really interesting how it's uh, how it's going. And because of all the disruptions in the world, we haven't done any standard marketing. It's all been word of mouth and just, um, you know, having yarns with people like this uh, is pretty much all I've done. Um, and, it, yeah, there's a lot of word of mouth and a lot of, um, you know, it, it's sort of, it's got a lot of interest in the in the sort of tech tech bro community and the, the game B kind of um uh, what else do they call the game B move and the and the sense making and all that kind of community and the psychedelics community and the intentional community community and um, you know all, all that kind of thing that, that that's kind of swirling together in in a kind of meta community at the moment. Um, it's it's gained some interest there and that uh, Jim Rutt who had me on his podcast a few times. Um, you know he he's the guy like who invented domain names and stuff like that. Um, he um. Yeah, he reckons there's it's it's showing signs of uh, early virality, and uh, so that would be great if it if that if that happened because then I could you know fulfill my dream of not dying on the side of the road in the rain would be uh, <laughs> finally realize that lifelong ambition and um, yeah so uh, I guess off we go. Wonderful, that's wonderful. I don't have any figures from the states yet though, but um, and we'll see how it goes there. Yeah, I think yeah. it's kind of at the moment. It's an underground, whispery kind of, you know, people like nudging each other and going, "Hey, have you checked this shit out?" You know, and <laughs> there you go. Yeah, word of mouth, man. That's the real deal. You know, I wanted to ask you uh, maybe some specifics. You know, the different chapters, the different yarns. You mentioned that you provide these simple symbols. Well, they're not simple, but they're very direct, and also you accompany them with. Um, something you've crafted like a, a wooden dish or a type of boomerang yeah. or something and to me that also yeah. deepened the words you know what you're trying to convey it was an amazing combination yeah can you I tell should us show you i still i mean i don't have them all you know because i don't know part of making things you know it it's situated within a traditional economy when you craft things and and so half of them have sort of gone out to people and are sort of moving around <laughs> out in the world in our traditional economy. But I've still got some of them here. And you know what? I've still got the one from your chapter too. Oh, hang on. I'm just uh, going to show you. I know this is a podcast, so it's audio. So no one's probably going to see this. But um, but I just I want to show you your thing, uh, what I carved after I spoke to you. Because you were the last one I needed to talk to for this. So anyway, that was the one. And it's the shield I think you might you might have seen in that chapter. I said, um, 
that it just wasn't quite, it wasn't right. And it bothered me and I didn't like it. And so I had to keep, like when I was trying to write the chapter after I carved this, I had to put it face down. Because <laughs> it just kept bothering me, the, um, the pattern. But you know what? I've, I've gotten used to it. And, oh, that's a joy. And it's, making, it's making a lot more sense to me now. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. There's oh. a lot more to it. So it's basically a parrying shield. It's made out of uh, tanchal wood from back up home. Wow. And, yeah. Um, cool. And so a lot of, you know, what came out in your chapter was, uh, was that idea of uh, kind of a, an ancestor mind of, you know, a, a peak a peak neural state, a peak, uh, peak performance state, you know, um, and all, all that kind of thing. I know there's, there's actually, there's so much interest in that weirdly too at the moment. You know, I, I just, I thought that was something that people were briefly enamored with in the nineties and then forgot about, but, um, right. no, I mean, there's heaps of interest in it now, like, uh, that kind of thing. And lots of people are like, they're looking at how to do that chemically, how to do it, um, you know, through meditation, oh, breath work. Every bastard's doing breath work now, you know, and <laughs> they're all, you know, trying to find the hack, the hack for getting to yeah, optimal neural states. And I'm like, bros, like, make yourself some clap sticks. Just make some. <laughs> and uh, too direct. You'll be right. It's just, you know, do something. Do something meaningful and connected. Like, just do it. And you, you'll get there. And if you don't, then fine. <laughs> At least you Jeez. did that thing. You know, that I don't know. It's not, mind, not as you, complicated. So many ways, uh, you know, indigenous ways of thinking. But also in the middle of the book, you said ways of being are as important as that. Mm -hmm. And that just was like a, a lovely bombshell because that's where you're getting, it seemed to me, in the book. Yeah. Uh, that kind of depth. Yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, look, we're, um, we're encouraged to separate those things at the moment. You know, most indigenous thinkers for the last 20 years have been, you know, being encouraged to separate those things, like through a lot of the, uh, post-colonial, post-modern kind of, uh, uh, decolonizing post-colonial, you know, schools of thought that are looking into, you know, those, you know, epistemologies, ontologies, you know, ways of thinking, ways of knowing, ways of being, ways of doing, ways of valuing, you know, um, kind of separating all these things out and defining them, you know, as processes, as, and this is helpful, I think, for a lot of people to come into these things. But at the same time, you know, I, I, did, I, have, I did talk to a few, a few people who were worried about that. And I think uh, Blackie was a woman I spoke to who, who was sort of saying stuff like that in the book, that it's, you know, everything's ontology now or, you know, or epistemology, but really there's, it's, it's hard to separate those things, yeah. your ways of knowing from your ways of being. Um, and why are they separate? <clears throat> you know, when, you know, in our cultures for so long, you know, most, most of these things that we separate now haven't been separated. You know, society, economy, landscape you know, society economy ecology how are those things separate mm -hmm. you know so in our way in our proper way they're not separate things uh you know in the same way we we keep 
trying to fracture knowledge into smaller and smaller pieces and taxonomies until everybody's over-specialized after death. Really? Even you just describe what it is to be alive. <laughs> you got to fracture into 80 different bloody things, you know? Yeah. Well, I remember... I feel that in your disciplines do you feel sort of siloed and broken up or, or do you well, think you successfully I, overcome that i think for some of us uh this primitivist thing is is deeply spiritual and that we're not comfortable with with uh with that but it's but it really yeah. is there it's really at the heart of things i think mm. it's not only the the effort to tackle everything but uh there is a spiritual core it's it's about oneness and uh, intimacy with the land and uh you know that's that's what we're talking about that's what we're yearning for and looking for you know i i wanted to mention you said that in your language there's no word for culture that uh mm -hmm. the closest is a phrase the literal translation of which is being like our place yeah that really hit me yeah the, the place, we're in a fairly placeless trajectory, you know, speaking of the technology and everything, but being like our place, that it's, I think that translates really well. Mm. That's it's, it's all you can be is like an expression of the place that you're connected to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's all you can be. What mm. else can you be? Mm. Yeah. Is it even being? Is it even being if you're not that? Interesting what you said. Uh, I mean, how do you see that? It, and especially, I guess, with what you're doing with materials. You know, you you talk about the segregation of like the epistemology and the ontology and and the way that we sort of silo different sort of philosophical mm. musings in the West. Yeah. But you know, how does that relate to how we just view materials generally, you know, like as uh, sort of fixed immutable objects that we don't, aren't in flux with all the time, you know? Mm. Um, and I haven't read, you know, your book, but I'll order it <laughs> and, and I'll learn more now about what you're saying. But, um, yeah, how do you see that relationship between how you're the perception of like working with materials and 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 how that uh, influences your thinking? Well, there's a couple of things there. I guess uh, it, it all comes down to what you believe, um, or, or not even what you believe. All right, uh, it, it comes down to a couple of question of 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 what is consciousness, right. and therefore what is conscious. Uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. what what has sentience, uh, you know, and then then it comes down to, well, what is cognition? You know, and uh, it basically coming into is it brain bound or is it something that's haptic and right. uh, sort of more sitting on our connections with our relationships around us, with the world around us? So is your cognition actually quite a bit of it occurring outside of the brain and outside of the body 
uh, which, you know, if you look at all the embodiment research or that uh, right. distributed cognition, like distributed cognition is a big one. You look into all that and, and you'll sort of see that there is a lot of neural processes uh, happening out in the world, you know, around us and that uh, we're one of three species that science recognizes as having uh, haptic cognition, which is, right. you know, cognition that it, like where we see things as an extension of ourselves and actually have neural processes occurring out in our relations yeah how of how we're connected to those things so you know it is it does come down to those couple of different questions about you know what is consciousness and therefore what is cognition and then uh sorry and therefore what is conscious what is consciousness and what is conscious uh that's that first question set and then the next question set is about cognition you know and um what is cognition and where does it go? <laughs> is it brain and body bound or, or does it go out into the uh, place, connect with the place and relations with uh, others uh, around us? Um, and so, you know, uh, I, I've got a, a Samoan friend who calls that uh, that space of relation uh, where cognition occurs. Uh, the, he refers to that as va in Samoan language. This is one of the most important things that you learn. And that there's sort of five stages of knowing around that va. And you learn the first one when you're a toddler and you're learning about the relation and the point of relation between your feet and the sand and the water. Uh, right down at the water's edge, your mother teaches you that. And then it goes up through different stages of understanding about that throughout your life until you can perform some pretty amazing feats of memory and, you know, knowledge production and transmission uh, along those relational lines, you know. And so every culture in the world has that. Every, uh, you know, pre-industrial culture, m most cultures prior to, you know, a century or two ago, you know, would have still had that in some form or another. Yeah. Actually, not even pr prior to, uh, I think the moment when things turned was uh, Martin Luther when he banged the thing on the door, <laughs> banged his essay on the door, and yeah. commenced the project of individualism, you know, because that's mm. where individualism started. Because you know, before that, before that, the West was pretty, the Western mind was still quite a human mind. I mean, it was suffering and it had been traumatized, yeah. but, but it was still a connected land-based relational mind. But it was only, it was after, um, it was after Protestant, Protestantism uh, kicked off and Catholicism had to compete with it and <laughs> and also start schools and such uh, and, and, you know, make sure that everybody could read their Bible um, and have an individual you know, relationship with God and therefore the universe <laughs> and therefore themselves. You know, that, that, was, that was what changed everything. Martin Bloody Luther. Mm -hmm. Max, yeah. yeah. talk about the spirit of capitalism born with the uh, Protestant Reformation. Yeah. Yeah, it's that individualism. It gave us that. It gave it that twist, because I actually, um, I'm quite a fan of British mercantile capitalism, like the original. You know, 1.0 wasn't too bad. It was pretty good, and there, there was a there was, and it was kind of bound by the laws of physics. So you know, even though it was quite expansionist, for a bit there was uh, there was only so far that was going to go before it wound back, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think if uh, if it had been allowed to continue uh, without the bloody Protestants ruining everything, I think it probably would have been okay. 
and people would have been fine. <laughs> mm. You know, there, there would have been a, a, you know, the civilization, I think, would have just, you know, come to its natural conclusion at that stage. As, you know, most civilizations are supposed to die out after a thousand years, for God's sake. It's, you know, that's their bloody life trajectory. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, I love the way you end the book, getting back to cognition for the moment. So mm. you're right on the last page. Everything in the universe is alive and full of knowledge. That's oh, yeah. Yeah. So like I said, there were two parts before, and the first is about uh, what is consciousness and what is conscious. And, you know, so I think once you figure out uh, that it's knowledge, uh, even um, what we call knowledge, but I think what most people would understand is, is information. You know, so what is it that's holding a rock together? It's basically particles that are being held together in a certain form, a certain combination of elements in a certain shape. What the fuck is holding that together and stopping it from just dissolving or, you know, or flattening like a pancake or anything else, you know? What is holding that rock together in that shape and in that substance? It is, it is, and everyone will agree with you. I don't care who they are or what their discipline is. They'll agree that it's information, you know, so that rock contains living knowledge and living spirit. You know, it contains knowledge, which is connected out to the rest of the system because there's a set of agreements and what those elements are and and how they hold themselves together and not just bloody dissolve down into the quantum soup. There is a set of agreements that we all have on this plane of reality. And that keeps us here on this plane of reality. And that set of agreements is very complex. And there's a lot of knowledge for that. And we share that knowledge with every single thing you can touch and see and feel and understand everything has that spirit everything is entity everything is conscious so a rock is conscious and contains knowledge and i think once you see that then it, it kind of changes things a bit because what does it mean then to make a stone axe or to make a stone knife? i'm working on flint knives at the moment um what does it mean to make a flint knife with a wooden handle and a stone blade uh that's fixed with resin from a grass tree you know, and that has string, you know, uh, from bark. What is it to do all that? Uh, what is it to use that? What is that? To, what is it to pass that on to somebody? What is it then to make that trade? And what is that system of trade then, that economy that you have as human beings together? What is that pattern? Is that an entity with spirit? Yes, it is. Is that entity of spirit? Is that separate from the landscape? No, it's not. You know, all these things are tied together in that same pattern. Because otherwise, this would just be a swirling mess of atoms <laughs> where we'd be sort of floating around just going, ah, ah, and trying to figure out what the hell was and wasn't. Um, you know, we wouldn't so be. knowledge, knowledge yeah. is through everything. And, you know, to make something is really, you know, it's it's about making meaning as much as anything else because you're working with knowledge and information from different things and you're doing combinatorials of things that are in creation. You know, you're combining wood and rock and fiber and resin to make something. But in doing that, you're combining the knowledge from all of those entities. That coastal flint that I'm working with, I'm combining the knowledge from that beach 
And from that trench where it came up from the sea, that rock, I'm combining all that knowledge from all those entities and all those contexts and also the wood from that tree where I take that handle, you know, the grass tree as well, uh, where I get the resin. Okay, uh, there's knowledge of fire in that. The fire, the bushfire that went through that made the resin boil up from the ground beneath the grass tree, that has knowledge too. Uh, so that connects out to other totemic entities related to fire, like the sparrowhawk. Can you see what I mean? You're constantly in this web of relations, all of which carry knowledge, um, all of which contain knowledge, but also most of that knowledge is sitting in relations between things, in the relation between the sparrowhawk and the bushfire, and then that relation between the bushfire and the grass tree, and then the relation between the grass tree resin and the kangaroo shit that I mixed that with. Uh, which that's not enough either because it's too brittle then. You have to actually add some charcoal from that bushfire. So it links back again around to that um, sparrowhawk. Can you see there are these uh, closed loops of knowledge, you know, that are running through this system, recycling knowledge. There's no entropy in there. There's only increase, you know, when you're working this way. It's very hard to explain. I mean, nobody's ever been able to explain it. And the way I do it, it it's, I guess it's just a, a weird way in that offers a glimpse of it, but not the whole thing. Does that make any sense, brother? Yeah. Well, it sounds like what part of it is the intimacy. If you don't have the intimacy, you don't really have the knowledge, the direct, yeah. where we're trying to get to, you know, the yeah. shucking off uh, domestication and all the things that get in the way of being mm. there with with what it is, you know. Yeah. Well, right. like I said, it's, it's, it's about meaning making. I mean, you're putting together... You're not just putting together elements or things, you know, when you're making something, you're, um, you're bringing together stories, you're putting together information from so many different things, you know, and it's, um, it's very, very tricky, but at the same time, it's, it's just beautiful. It's, um, it, it's a lot of genius going on there. And if you're making meaning around that, then you're doing something very profound, uh, yeah. an act of creation that basically we were made to do. You know, we work with that knowledge and all these things in holistic ways as the custodial species, because that's our ecological niche is the custode is to be the custodial species. No one can do that except us. There's no what, such wait, thing as will. What do you mean by that? We have to be in there. Well, we, we're uh, our ecological niche is that we are a custodial species. We're supposed to look after everything. We're supposed to keep an eye on the complex systems. Um, you know, in every bioregion, and uh, we're supposed to look after those things. And so not just uh, hands-on looking after, but also making that meaning, uh, performing increased ceremonies and, um, you know, constantly in an active inquiry uh, to see where the system is moving, how the land is moving, how we can make sure everything moves appropriately within it, how we make sure that there is a constant flow of uh, information, knowledge, spirit, resources, you know, throughout the system and that the system is appropriately dumping entropy in its connection with other systems for whom that, that entropy is their lunch, you know, and then that system is dumping back into this one. It's basically making sure the loops remain closed, um, 
you know, so that everything is recycled and that the uh, systems can continue indefinitely. And what's basically true sustainability that doesn't work without human beings. That's that's on this world. Humans occupy the ecological niche that makes uh, natural systems work. It's it's very important that we're there to do that. Um, would you contrast you know, that it, to 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 stewardship, or would you? Are you are you sort of articulating uh, the same I, thing? I, it, there is no there is no word for it. There's no word for it in my language. There's no word for it in English. The closest I can come is custodianship, but even uh-huh. that implies some kind of. Um, it sounds a little paternalistic, I guess, to me. Ownership, yeah. Person. There's a kind of ownership thing there that isn't really quite the right thing. And stewardship, I mean, it also. Yeah, it's, that's it's very popular hierarchy in, you know, it's kind of yeah i know yeah. Uh, i'm doing I'm, I'm just about to start a series on stewardship of of land and um you know in the end i just tell people you know because people like to say things like i'm really uncomfortable with that word you know i really don't like this term regeneration <laughs> you know because regeneration i think you know it's it's all the rage at the moment but i don't like it you know it's like fuck what you like you know, great accent, like, by the way. That was there's good. a couple <laughs> of things going on in the world. Right? Coming up with a word that you're comfortable with for that thing is probably not the most important action we should be undertaking right now. It's like no one's going to agree on the word. Fuck the word. Like, just do it. Um, so I don't really care whether we call it stewardship, custodianship. I don't care if we call it bloody wackadoodle-doo. It's uh, yeah. Let's just get it done. Uh, we need to be out there. That kind of relates back to a, a bit of a, a problem, I guess, that I see. I don't I don't that a lot of what you're talking about, you know, you're saying that it's difficult to you know, fully explain these things, which I completely agree with, uh, because at core, there's something sort of inherently ineffable about all these connections, right, that we can call them knowledge or information. But that's that's sort of. Uh, signaling something, but it's it's not really that's not really the essence of it. So, is there a, is there a sort of inherent danger in explanation? You know, I mean, I, I, like there is, there yeah. is, and as soon as I mean, as soon as you give something a name, it's finished. <laughs> as far right. as I'm concerned, you know, uh, most of the really important things in the world, like you know, sustainability, um, you know, <laughs> things like that, they don't have words in actual human languages that actually do do the sustainable thing there's no word for it because it just fucking is right why would you need a word for it because i mean there's no other option but to do that why would you need a word specifically for that and it's right. almost like creating a word for that would would kind of ruin it um <laughs> so yeah in a sense and that's I a big diagnosis lately that we're talking about these things so much it's kind of like oh my god like all we're doing is creating more content about the things that everybody should just know by now anyway. And, I mean, everybody knows what to do. Like, I reckon they should just freeze the internet at one Like, not get rid of it completely, but just it should just be read-only <laughs> now. Like, we shouldn't add any more. Just disable all the hyperlinks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not until everybody's learned what's already there and done whatever they can do with that and figured out all the bugs, all the glitches, all the ethical problems with the knowledge that's there already. You know, just stop for a minute. 
just yeah. for a bit, just stop for a little while, just a thousand years or so. Like just sit with that and read only memory that one. And, you know, and everybody can go through at their leisure and, and they'll find pretty much anything there and they can learn 12 languages, bloody Russian, whatever they want to learn. They can, because you can learn everything just on YouTube, you know, and that would be enough. But instead, here we are, and we're contributing to the problem mastery because we're um, we're just making more content, going over the same old yeah. shit, yeah, and just trying to put it together in different ways, invent new words for it. I don't like that word. <laughs> I don't really. I'm not really comfortable with the word anarcho primitivist. You know, it's like uh, who cares? Like we're just we're supposed to be people. Just relax. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> Moving with the land. I thought that was a thread throughout your book that comes close uh, to expressing that, you know. Yeah. And But then there's all the, there's everything that takes us away from that, including the technology. Why don't we have that? Why don't we, you know, it's just everything that's in the way. That's that's a simple mm. way to put it. To To get, it seems to be, Seems to me what you're talking about, what you really, what the grounding of all this is, you know, the way we once were and uh, unhappy because we're not that way. Well, what? Yeah. Why is that? What the hell is in the way? Count all the all the shit that needs yeah. to go, right? Mm. I mean, I it, tend to it's so of, hard. It's so hard to have any kind of authentic thought in the middle of all that. You know, and so we try to break the pattern by being iconoclasts or whatever you want. You know, we're, we're all rebels without a cause. We're all bucking the thing. We're all, you know, trying something new. We're all sick of, you know, oh, that's so five minutes ago, that way of thinking, you know. <laughs> you know, everybody's coming up with a new thing, a new narrative, and then trying to, like, gain as much market share as they can with that narrative. And off we go and off we go and off we go. And, you know... I'm trying to like, I, I try to keep like sabotaging myself um, from doing the same thing because I can feel myself getting sucked into that vortex of like, yeah. you know, trying to sell a narrative to people. And it's like, so, you know, I just try to shoot myself in the foot a fair bit just to disrupt that. Mm. But then it's like, oh, that becomes a thing. And then I get feedback that that's what people find refreshing. And I'm like, ah! No. The guy who shoots himself in the foot. I love that guy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's really cool. That's really ironic. That's really, you know, and it's like, ah, ah. That's can a we just not have the next thing? For a while, you know, can you we not have people that we elevate? like someone who's interesting for a minute and people get excited about what they're saying. And so then they've got to be elevated to be a guru of everything, you know, that little lens that they have. So what is it about scale? Excellent. Let's apply that to everything. Now this guy, the scale guy, he's the expert for everything, you know, and then it's like freaking donut economics. And it's like, wow, let's like check everything from there. And, you know, for five minutes, you know, because of my book, you know, it's like, oh, indigenous lens. Let's, like, chuck that around. And I'm like, ah, if I just contributed to the problem, probably, yeah.
So, John, I remember you, like, um, I didn't really go much into that in the book, but I remember you, like, really struggling, you know, uh, with a lot of your own positioning, you know, within your discipline, within your field, um, and, and your, the problematics of, of, you know, overvalorizing hunter-gatherer lifestyles and all that sort of stuff, and um, that, you know, and sort of, like, wincing at yourself a bit around I'm, I'm romanticizing this i'm romanticizing this um but then at the same time knowing that you're you're trying to deliver a counter narrative you know against something that is clearly destructive and clearly evil you know what i mean yeah well yeah. You, you brought up the noble savage slur it's a good way uh that's a noble yeah. savage uh rousseau you know that's that's stupid and everything and I just, the only place I could go with that is, I don't know what that means, but I do know what is ignoble. We've had enough of that. We can see it so starkly. So why are you cutting off by the, the word, no, the term noble savage? I mean, isn't it, yeah. isn't it time for some of that? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but as yeah, a thoughtful person, you're, you're hey, having look, I, I just think... Most of the stuff that you might get criticized for in that domain, particularly when the, you're doing the kind of work that you're doing, is, you know, it's not, it's not, I don't know. Noble Savage has been deployed in some very vicious and damaging ways and right. to justify some all kinds of just horrible stuff, you know. Um, but that's not what you're doing in your field. You know, so, I mean, I, I guess one of the terms to describe what you're doing is white atavism. And um, most of that, it's not damaging. It's just lame, you know. And so people could just laugh at you and go, he's, he's trying to have a connection to be a real, real human being. But, you know, stuff him. He doesn't deserve it. His ancestors were evil and, you know, and he's still holding on to all that capital. So, you know, stuff him in his privilege. It just makes him look silly. And everyone could point at you and laugh, you know. But that's about that's about as far as the damage goes. And there is no damage. There's there is actually like the opposite of damage potentially there. Like an actual reclamation and you know, giving people an alternative of how to be in the world and where to go to that is not white supremacist, that is not destroying the world, you know, that is not, you know competition stepping on everybody's throats uh but at the same time you know that white activism that uh noble savage thing that's that's actually being deployed by a, a lot of um you know sort of paleo um uh white supremacists groups at the moment i've, I've been talking to a lot of fellows in scandinavia uh who are involved in reclamation of um of pre-bronze age sort of cultures uh, there in Scandinavia, you know, uh, the Frisians and also, um, you know, some people around uh, uh, Denmark and, and all around the place uh, doing amazing work. But then at the same time as they're doing that, you've got like proper neo-Nazis um, doing the same thing, but but sort of reclaiming this this kind of, you know, master race ideal <laughs> from yeah. that. It's, it's elevating the paleo kind of noble savage to some kind of you know godlike bloody nordic uh giant bloody superhero 
um, you know, to support some pretty horrendous agendas and ideologies. Uh, yeah. And they're very worried about that. The people who are doing it for the right reasons and for real on the ground and bringing people back into relation with the wetlands and, you know, um, hunting and, and pre-Indo-European language and all kinds of awesome stuff like that. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of terrifying. Yeah, you got to sort it out, that's for sure. I mean, Yeah, because you can, you can weaponize anything now. Yeah. So, you know. And, it's hard and, to point to one thing and say that gets weaponized because yeah. everything gets weaponized. But you can also disarm anything and put it to good use. Right. So, well, you know, yeah. you, taking, you taking this trope of the noble savage and sort of, you know, diffusing it and then repurposing it for something useful is like, uh, you know, that's a good thing, surely. Surely that's not, you know, you don't get lumped in with the people who are weaponizing the same idea. Yeah, you know, drive against that. White supremacy. Mm. Yeah. There used to be nuance. I'm sure there was I'm sure there's a couple of years at the end of the nineties when there was some nuance. <laughs> I'm sure there was at some stage. Anyway, maybe I'm just doing that new that, that old right thing of looking back to a golden age that never actually existed. Oh, yeah. oh when I was younger there was nuance. You know, people <laughs> understood about it. So right. the other thing and be a futurist. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. <laughs> So I'll be a futurist, sit myself there, look back to the golden age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably happening now. We're probably all whinging for nothing. Because, I mean, like I said, I listen to everybody. And um, I, I keep, like, I don't like listening to that guy who goes, you know, everything's great. What's everybody complaining about? I, I can't remember the dude. He wrote a book about it. Steven Pinker? I, I think it's him. Yeah. Just There's how statistically... No, it's never been as awesome as it is now. And but at the same time, everybody's complaining. Um, I, of yeah, course, to that guy. Uh, what if he was right? What if he was right? And we're ruining everything. I'd say, like, ruining. oh, you know, that the, the whole planet is actually improving, you know, and that all the radioactive waste is not a problem. And that, you know, all the toxicity is not a problem. And it, look at all these people like being raised out of poverty. These poor people have just been sitting, living and subsisting the poor bastards out of that well and out of that rich, fertile soil uh, for thousands of years. And now we're lifting them up out of poverty like 160,000 people a day being lifted out of poverty around the world. It's never been as good as it is now. Yeah. You know, nobody's dying of polio. Look, I tell you, oh, we've got birth control. We've got equal rights. We've got like human rights. It's all great. What if, what if we're wrong? Brothers? Well, what if we're wrong and it's really awesome. And all we're doing is wrecking everything and that we're destroying the future for our children by bloody complaining with all this anarchy stuff. Yeah, I guess so. It's a, it's not a nightmare. No, it's not a nightmare. You can't even get through the day without dope and everything. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful. That's just yeah. so crazy. Pinker's a friend yeah. of Chomsky, who's a, you know, the leading leftist. He wants more development. He wants more people. He wants, you know, we just have to keep going, no matter how suicidal it is. It's just, you know, it's just yeah. so asinine. It's getting to the place where everybody can see through that. On some level, everybody knows it. Kind of like what you were saying before. 
You can't miss it. You just can't miss it. This is just nothing but uh, destruction. Yeah, I mean, why do you need to write a book about it? I mean, that, that's a exactly. interesting... <laughs> Another book that Another... everyone's going to read. And then just oh, endless permutations well, of discussions over and over and over again. It's like, oh, God. This is from <clears> somebody <throat> who went to, to Epstein's Island, you know, and was kicked off for disagreeing that... Uh, what was it that that resource distribution wasn't what Epstein thought, and he got kicked off the island? But I mean, this is yeah. <laughs> this is the guy who's there, like within feet of an elite pedophilia ring that you know is, <laughs> and no, it's all getting better. You know, yeah. I don't know. it's so Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe maybe they're right, and maybe it's we're really close to being able to everyone could trust the institutions again. Maybe there isn't an opioid crisis. Maybe people aren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all a hoax. Maybe people aren't killing themselves every minute. Like you know, and you know what? <sighs> you know, we we look at these stats, but we don't really look at what's going on. You know, so if we look at uh, you look at something like teen suicides, youth suicides. Um, yeah. You know, and it, so if you just look at the stats on that, it's pretty disturbing. But you're kind of looking at that and going, oh, that's just something that's happened there. And, you know, and then so you're trying to get a picture of that. But you don't really know anything until you understand that each actual suicide is usually the culminating point of about 100 different suicide attempts, up to 100 different suicide attempts, you know? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So that's that's a person who's suffered so horrendously and for so long that they keep attempting that suicide, and then one day, after them probably accidentally, it actually works. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot going on there. There are a lot of stories, and that person then, through each of those hundred attempts, is linked out to a lot of different relationships that aren't working. There's a lot of failed connections, and that person's just loose in the universe so damaged and so suffering and feeling so much of a frustration signal, a genetic frustration signal, heart, like, you know, just now sitting in this room and look around like, what the fuck is a corner? I can't make sense of that. You know what I mean? Like everything is just, and, uh, you know, there's too much now, too much. And this is what it is to be a Luddite is to sort of, see like what's happened in the last 10 years and particularly to be somebody who got their first personal mobile phone in 2016 that's me so i've only had a personal mobile phone for four years and i i have been able to watch my brain just fall apart i've been able to watch my life fall apart just from owning this phone wow. and that's accelerated in the last couple of years since reading this book and having most of my conversations online, yeah, most of them, you know, um, most of my connections. I mean, you and I are quite, you know, we have quite a profound connection, but it's through this world. And at the same time as that, um, that fills me up, it, it's also kind of quite damages me. I think I know what you I mean. I have this connection in this way, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not the way it should be.
So what does it all mean, you reckon? I think we should close this off before I have to uh, make a fool of myself trying to answer that. <laughs> uh, from an audio production standpoint, that was a great ending, but that was... Yeah, <laughs> close it off. Don't the bleeding. Like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you're having some wonderful, even though this very estranged uh, mode of connecting, but uh, it must feel pretty good to have... Uh, to have found these responses and to get these, to get certain uh, questions moving and and people relating to what you tried to do, it must feel it must feel good, don't? Huh? Mm. At, at any moment where I, I I start to feel myself like inadvertently having a pleasure response to that, like I, I'm I'm sure to jump on it and stamp it out immediately, you know, because a I know it's an illusion. And B, I know it's a destructive illusion, and that's uh, that's 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 the narcissism kicking in. I, I shouldn't, I should not have any pleasure response to um, to anybody's responses to my work. You know, it's um, I shouldn't even, I can't even think of it as my work. It's the work of so many thousands of people, and it just happens to have, you know, come through the ends of my fingers for a minute. Yeah. For the two two weeks that it took me to write the book. You know, it, it's a it's a series of relations. It's a series of relationships, and it isn't me. So any pride that I might take in that work would be a misplaced pride. Um, I see. But yeah. as such, it's a it's a hell of a contribution for those very reasons. I mean, you're not making yeah. anything out of it, but of course you're not. You know, but it is a beautiful, a big beautiful basin of attraction that I'm privileged to be part of um, at the moment, and I'll be. I'm really interested to see where it goes. You know, I mean, I'm trying to look at it with those timeless eyes out of that ancestor mind, and I'm trying to track that patterning of of where it's going and what it's doing. And um, you know, I see it going to good places. I see it doing good things um, and disrupting quite a lot, and having you know big butterfly effects around the world. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot bigger things out there competing with that. And um, you know, yeah. I, you know, when I start to put all those together. I don't necessarily see it uh, ending up in a great place. Um, what I do know is that this uh, this story continues, um, you know, with most of us in it or not. It continues anyway, you know. Yeah. And I also know, I know from deep time perspective that we've been through um, that many apocalypses before, you know, that they're kind of just normal. They're fairly routine. And... Um, you don't need to worry that much about it. You just need to keep moving with the land and everything else upon it, and uh, you probably end up doing the right thing. <laughs>